Barrier, Pokemon Quest, and Burrows and Badges. This is Staying In. Pomegranate juice. Yeah. Not, gr- not great. Not it's great. Very g- no, it's gross. I, uh, I bought a, I bought a litre of it because oh. I thought... Well, look, I thought to myself... In for a penny, in for a pound. I thought, look, it's full of... I, I, was, I was stood there in the supermarket Googling what is the best drink for you and pomegranate <laughs> juice. <laughs> pomegranate I imagine juice lots of companies up. market themselves on that quality. It's very rare yeah. that companies say, we are the 23rd best drink in the world. Please, can... I, I mean, the answer's water because you're made up of 70% of it. Ah, actually, you'll be happy to know about this. Green tea is actually better than water. Actually, I think you find that matcha is better than green tea. But carry right, fine. on. Fine. I but... know which one I'd like to have a bath in, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, pomegranate juice was in the top five. So I All thought right. to myself, I've never had pomegranate juice before. <laughs> but I, I, I've got to say, I can't. It's full of. It's full of antioxidants full of vitamins mm. full yeah. of really good things it's very high in energy i feel i feel really good about it it's just drinking the bloody thing like that's that's the point where it's like oh i tried to mix it with elderflower cordial what didn't are you work. mental are you didn't a- work out <laughs> did you ever add squash to lemonade when you were young yes yeah yes no but it is a sort of dark history isn't it because if you a did dark. you ever no, no, the medieval period was a dark history. No, no, no. But did you ever try mixing black currant with milk? Wow, oh, Jesus! I mean, the worst I did as a kid was mixing orange juice and apple juice, which oh is not great. Tutti frutti. Didn't you make? Isn't that how you make umbongo? <laughs> but black currant, yep. milk, yeah. Well, well, as a child, I thought black currant. Ooh, that's nice. I like that. Milk. Oh, that's nice. Like you drink. That. You drink like I cook. <laughs> <laughs> like my idea of cooking is right. Pasta goes with anything. Yeah. Right. Have a bit of. Right. I'm making some curry. Yeah. Do some penne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to me, I don't see the problem. Two no. foods that I like on a plate together. That- I bet that's quite nice, actually, pasta curry. It's like when I was at a wedding with my family and my brother invented steak and cake. <laughs> Pete, you, you did it, didn't you? You did, you did, I did the it. thing for me. I did, I did the thing for you, sir. Did the thing did for not. me. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. Have you got it there? I have got it right here. I've got it right next to me. Okay, okay. Um, Don't don't show it. So um, I knew that Pete was going to go to the UK Games Expo, which I think I'm going to make my New Year's resolution to go there next year. Oh yes, it's the kind of thing I need to do. And because obviously there's lots of publishers and game developers there um, selling their wares. So I set Pete a challenge. I mm. gave him £11 to find me a game and you found me one. I did. Okay. Co- I found so you a game. You found me a game. So now I want to try and guess what game that is. Well, shall I walk you through my weekend? Yeah, and okay. Then I, let, I can tell let, you, you can, you can sort of guess at which point I go, let's go all in. Okay, right. Okay. Can, you, can you tell me which point of the weekend you bought the game? So then when I'm listening, I kind of know when to jump in and say, or, or okay. I know what mind frame you're in. Either okay. really eager and enthusiastic or tired, <laughs> grumpy and, oh, yeah. bugger, I forgot to buy Sam that game. <laughs> oh, Christ. It's, it's the Wellington bell curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up and down. Sam likes jigsaw puzzles, right? So when did you buy the game? What point in the day? Oh, uh, towards the end of towards the day, the okay, okay. but not, but uh, uh, two or three hours before we left. Okay, so. all right, okay, fair enough. Okay, begin, begin, begin. So we got into Birmingham NEC and we wander in. Now, I've got to admit, I've done a bunch of conventions in the past and conferences and stuff like that, some for work, some for pleasure, and they're usually a bit of a mixed bag. And I kind of thought going into this, like, well, it's a board game convention. How exciting can it be? You know, what's the community going to be like? Answer is massive and awesome. 
this I think it's the best convention I've ever been to. Really? I've done I've done E3, I've done EGX, I've done like you did game... the MCM Comic Con for Sam's thirtieth birthday. Right, MCM Comic Con did Gamescom, and those were all fine events. Uh, but this this absolutely blows it out of the water. So we get in and we enter the first of two massive auditoriums. Uh, where this is happening so it takes over most of the like two big chunks of the arena um, and NEC arena is massive and so you walk into the first one and it's all very exciting you go and get your card and you go and get your little lanyard and you wander around and you go into the first area and the first area is I would describe it as kind of a slightly more indie sort of a space there were certainly smaller studios there that were doing board games that I'd never heard of miniature games that I'd never heard of, RPGs that I'd never heard of, smaller retailers. So, like, there was a, an independent paintbrush company that was there. I know that sounds, like, really dull, but, like, that was really cool. And there was... So, yeah, it was kind of much more smaller-scale stuff right at the start going in. And then I... And I'm sort of wandering around, and I'm seeing all sorts of stuff. And now, okay, we can see whether, we can see at which point... You know, Sam will at some point okay. chirp up and go, well, I reckon maybe it's maybe it's around here. Maybe it's not. I don't know. So uh, the first port of call I wander up to that I go, oh, this is an interesting table. I go over to. Oh, he's getting on. swag. Hold on. I go over to a table. Miniatures. Very colourful. And uh, I start looking at it. And uh, I am introduced to. By fire and sword, the miniature war game from Poland. Oh bloody hell! Well, now, now look, this is exciting. This is a fifteen millimeter war game. Now, what that means is that it's teensy tiny, so it's not the regular soldiers that you would think of when you play normal war games. It's teensy tiny, really, really small. Basically, not child friendly, not Toby friendly. Yeah, basically. Oh, not yeah. Toby. I mean, sort of, because if he inhaled them, I don't think that they would get caught anywhere. But yeah, I mean, teensy, teensy tiny. And the idea with this uh, mad historical war game, which, by the way, the rule book is two inches thick, it looked like, and 50 quid, just rammed with content about the basically the sort of 15th to 16th, no, 17th century, the 17th century, com real world 17th century conflicts. So I was looking around at this and it's all about like ranks and rows and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this is all very exciting. But, what, but bought, what's that book I, that you got though? What's the book? Well, I picked, this, I picked this up for you, Sam, because I wanted to show you the how hardcore people will go. Like I was talking with the guy about this and they must have like, they must have like a few thousand players, but you are looking at spending like, hundreds of pounds over the course of many years playing this game I'm sure and it's super cool and super detailed but I picked that up for you because I thought that is historical war game it's something that like I've never touched upon so well we me, me and Chris have done a, a little bit of historical war gaming because we play uh, Memoir 44 together which is really good and, yep. and, we, okay. and we both really enjoy that because other, other than the fact it's advertised as the the game of the d-day landings which i think is a little <laughs> bit insensitive yeah it actually is a fair and accurate representation of the battles that took that that took place around the d-day landings like yeah i have been to those spots i've been to pegasus Bri bridge i've been to the the cliffs where the rangers climbed up where the allied forces and the rangers climbed up to try and hit the um anti-aircraft um artillery and Memoir 44 deals with that in a really accurate and uh, fair depiction. So, so we've, we've enjoyed it. And there's Battle Line, of course, which but Chris doesn't enjoy because of the art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you like that kind of accuracy, then, you know, you, that might be interesting to you. This game might be interesting to you because you can purchase Alexander Patiemkin's Skirmish Force of 1658. Well, okay. It's a good year. What it's a good year, year for Alexander. So uh, I moved on from there. I was looking around at a, a company that specialised in these, had these really nice looking dry brushes. Didn't get them. Wandered, wandered through. And then so, we're in, so you're in this sort of first area and there's lots of indie stuff. So looking around at indie titles that are things you might never really have heard of, but they get a good 
rep at a show because you can sit down and go, oh, that looks really weird and interesting because I've never seen this before because this company clearly doesn't have marketing, but I'm here, I'm a captive audience, I'll sit down and I'll play it. Adam, who's one of the designers at the studio that I work for, he took his skateboarding card game where like it's it's about doing tricks but with card games and stuff like that and that seemed to go re- down really really well there's a game about yogi uh, i think it's called yogi um which is where you have to do like you bend physical cards and you have to hold them in different positions and stuff like that i think those guys were there and sort of showstoppers whereby they're little gems that you find at these pl- these places but would never heard of anyway and then i went over and i saw the family game section sam okay here we go and the family game section had classics they had Rummy Cub. They had <laughs> stuff like Ludo or whatever it was. And I thought, wow, look at that Rummy Cub. That that surprises me at a place like the UK Games Expo that they would have yeah. traditional sort of games like that. Do you think it acts as a kind of like, so people go there thinking it's like a Games Expo about like Monopoly and Scrabble and Kaplunk and they've got those things there and hope that people get dragged into the, the attraction of everything else that, that people are being enthusiastic no, about? Or do you I just know. think it's like, everyone's welcome? I think it's like, everyone's welcome, come on in. And also big board game uh, marketing teams going, let's waste our money. Okay. I, I, I don't feel like they had a really good presence there because it's like rummy cub it's you know it's just old school there, though there were people who were interested in that sort of stuff what was better was you saw stuff like mayfair and asthma day and all the other big companies going there and going here are our gateway games um and, and that stuff seemed to do much much better Catan had a really good presence for example this was wandering around that and then this was a really good space and moved into area two and area two is where the big stuff happens i'm, I'm feeling like area two is where purchase was I'm getting that feeling, getting that feeling. So there was tons of stuff in there. Uh, You had people from uh, our friends at uh, White Wizard Games who do Star Realms and Hero Realms and all that sort of stuff. They were there, our friends, uh, basically people I've spent too much money on. You know, we went there and saw what they were up to. um, And the answer is flogging more Star Realms. Uh, uh, (laughs) Going to go and see... uh, So uh, you're one of your favourites. They're called like Chaos Cards... Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I love Chaos Cards. Right, so Chaos Cards were there, um, having a physical presence. And it was really interesting to see how... So there were a couple of these different stalls. You know, it wasn't just Chaos Cards, but there were a couple of different kinds of stalls that were pl- selling all sorts of games. Just retailers, basically. And it was really interesting to see the bargains that you could get. Like, people were just turning up and being like, hey, do you want Scythe for 35 quid? Just, like, really weird discounts where there was, like, very few... You know, uh, in that instance, I think there was very, uh, very small amount of stock. But it was that. But it was also show deals. So it was like, oh well, if you buy this, this, and this, we'll we'll give it to you for a reduced rate. And then going around and seeing lots of different miniature studios. So the thing that really surprised me is how much wargaming stuff there was there. I'm not surprised by that. But you see, I kind of, I kind of was because I thought it was going to be a board game, much more board game focused. But if, but if you think about the visual, the visuals of, mm. of that kind of thing, and that kind of event, wargaming mm. is a lot more appealing in, in that exhibition sort of environment, isn't it? Like you see those tables with the yeah. figures set up like it's a war. Is a, I think that's a better place for an exhibitor to go and show off their game than it is to have like a Go Cuckoo set up. And people go, oh, it just looks like a rubbish um, kaplunk. <laughs> yeah. But this, this war game, now this looks interesting. So it, does, it doesn't surprise me that there's a massive war gaming Well, I, I, was, I was definitely a bit, a bit surprised. And actually in, in room one, there was also this huge um, space where you could do, where I think there was the European Championships that Fantasy Flight were putting on for, for their game. So like X-Wing had a presence, Netrunner has a presence, yeah. Five Rings, whatever the hell it's called, that had a big presence. And th- obviously there's the space to do these things. But yeah, there was a lot of miniature war gaming stuff. There was stuff that was, that was kind of a hybrid between war, miniature wargaming and board gaming so there was kind of some dexterity games around that kind of thing i think there was called it's called something like flick flick vietnam or f- viet flick nam or something like that <laughs> and it was kind of like flip yeah nam? something like that yeah it's like apparently apparently we're okay with vietnam now the official the official war the official war game the Vietnamese <laughs> yeah, yeah. <conflict. laughs> yeah exactly uh so there was that but there was also a game which i finally got to play which i was really excited about and actually it's one of the reasons i went there which was wreck and ruin so um it's kind of a miniature war game in that it has cool looking miniatures but it's definitely not 
a miniature war game. So it's this is a post-apocalyptic car combat game. So think Mad Max, think Gaslands, those kind and car wars and that that sort of stuff. So car combat, but it's post-apocalyptic. So it's very much in the sort of Mad Max desert. Society's gone to hell. Make sure you get as much fuel as you can. Kind of mold. Um, but it's definitely not a car combat game in the way that I think of car combat games, like Gaslands, like Warlands, yeah. like I don't know um, Borderlands. <laughs> Uh, yeah basically things with war and lands in it but it's not that it's actually a hex based it's a bit close to a board game i would say like Um, ogre a a little bit like ogre yeah um in fact yeah i think that's that's actually that's quite a good that's quite a good example it's it's about moving around i know clap 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 it's about moving around in the space grabbing territories and objectives so it's a little bit more gv than ogre um yeah and it's about gaining territory gaining spaces like so i i had a two round demo two turn demo um with um uh, greg giddens who's was uh, on a previous episode of the show and we sat down and played it uh, with mark who's at wreck and ruin and he was explaining it to me and i must admit i went into it thinking it is going to be this kind of car combat simulation game and actually what it turns out to be is a big much much bigger in scope of the field that it's showing you so it's this big hex grid of of desert that you're playing on and you're moving out to get to objectives like a big uh, oil canister and you're shooting dudes along the way so you're you're trying to shoot opponents from different tribes and gangs and factions and while i had a bit of what i would call like feature shock this idea of i i i didn't think it was that going in i was actually really pleasantly surprised i didn't think a a car combat game would work uh, without that simulation stuff without the like okay now i'm moving at 20 miles an hour and i turn 10 degrees to the right it doesn't have any of that it, it sort of tries to bring some of that flavor in but it makes it but because of that it's actually way more accessible and i really liked it because of it it's still dice based it's still got little cards and you can play abilities from those cards it's got uh, little damage markers that you've got to figure out there's a couple of tables that you need to refer to but nothing too too complex and i ended up walking away from that table really really excited that it was on kickstarter basically like because it's just it was it went to kickstarter a couple of days before the show opened and it seems to have done very well at that event because it's now funded. And is that is that like a co-op game? So you have to play it with someone else. So you do have to play it with somebody else, but you don't have. To, it's not played co-op. It's okay. up to four players, and I played it with two, and it worked with two. It definitely worked with two. That was that was my big concern because often you play board games like, for example, like Catan in two player is like, what are you doing? Yeah, who do you rob? Who do you rob? I've been I, I was inspired by you, Pete, actually, because of we talked about last time about model making and miniatures and that fascination with that. And I've been looking for a good mobile game for my new mobile phone. Oh. Oh yeah, Chris Chris finally bought a new mobile phone, which is Okay. Yeah. I've got the Moto G five S plus. That means which nothing is not the me. latest Moto, but uh, it's the same one as Sam's. He's yeah. putting his hand up there because um it's probably the the most premium looking cheap smartphone you can get okay so i wanted to christen it with a game and i wanted something that had that kind of that lovely feeling i got from model making as a child and i came across lumino city by state of play that's a good game so this is a british company and i didn't realize how much of their games i'd already played yeah like um Kami 2, have you ever played that? It's a very nice, intricate, abstract, paper-folding game. It's like an origami game. It's really lovely. Mm. It has those really satisfying kind of um, paper sounds. And I didn't realise this is a company that kind of prides themselves on um, working with model makers, miniature makers, animators. So the actual, often a lot of their designs and levels are actual photographs or actual kind of models that they've photographed and captured and they've kind of imposed digital imagery on top of them so lumino city was kind of like three years in development and on the face of it it's very similar to these kind of point and click puzzle games like machinarium say for example mm-hmm. it has the same kind of feel you know a character has gone missing and then a ca- or and another character the protagonist has to go on a journey to find them and on their way they help people solving puzzles to open doors, this kind of thing. So Lumino City, in terms of its narrative, is not too dissimilar to any of those kind of types. But what really makes it distinctive is this kind of art style. It is gorgeous. It is like Camberwick Green. It's like Trumpton. It's like there's that kind of Oliver Postgate Postman Pack kind of animation 
where you can see almost see the fingerprints of the animators on the actual stuff that's been built out of like scrap bits of cardboard matchsticks and wood beautiful and meticulously made and you're guiding this figure across this kind of model and the camera pans round, and it's really lovely but it's that kind of very familiar kind of tropes and mechanics I've seen before. I, I'm about four or five chapters in or so at the moment and it's really nice. It's kind of like, for me, I'd equate it with reading a book. It's not a, it's not a mobile game you dip into and dip out of very quickly. It's something you sit down and say, yeah. OK, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play a chapter. It might be you have a commute, say, on a train or something like that. I'm going to sit down on my commute and it's, it's one chapter will be done. And I go, OK, brilliant, I can put that to rest and I'll come back to it later. It's not a game that's kind of a quick fix because by its very nature you can't get halfway because and stop because coming back into it you have to try and remember where the configuration of things were beforehand the last time you left. A bit like Machinarium at mm. the times. Yeah. I still am not feeling mobile games. Like just still no? not feeling them. Like the there's because um, you guys will have a chance to play Pokemon Quest but has also been released on Switch recently, which I've been playing. I've actually been enjoying it playing on a console, but I don't know, it's really weird because it is just a mobile game, but for some reason I enjoy it on a console and sitting down in my lounge and playing it, even though the controls are in no way optimised for using the Joy-Cons. But it still is a mobile game in every single conceivable way. I I don't know why I don't get on with them. I just don't, even like a fantastic game like Monument Valley, I just don't, I'm just like, great, I've played that for five minutes. Brilliant. Well, phone in pocket, done. I, for me, it's, it's it's the case that, like, I only when I used to commute on the train, that was when I really played mobile games. Ever since I stopped doing that and I walked to work, I, I, I really hardly ever played mobile games, other than something that I can just dip in and out of, repeat, like, in, like, Star Realm, say, for example. Even the Battle of Polytopia, which we played quite a lot intensively, that was something I could dip in and out of. Mm. But something that's a really narrative base, I struggle with on a mobile, if I'm honest. Mm. I really do. Yeah. There are lots of really nice games I really want to down. Old Man Journey is next on my list. But I'm also wary of the fact that generally narrative games don't sit well with me on a mobile phone. Because it's on a mobile phone, there are too many distractions I, there. I, I think we do forget at times, well, I think I forget generally, is that for, for some people, uh, probably quite a lot of people, their mobile phone is their console. Like, it's their main... Yeah. It, it's the way that they play video games. And I've been, I've been so overexposed by playing console games and sitting down in my lounge and, like, having these glorious and lush experiences. I just can't communicate one-to-one with a mobile device. I right. think I just don't have that grammar, I guess, to put it really ludicrous and geeky way uh whereas no, i think that's saying that's fair whereas for some people it is their console that's what they engage with and that's how they communicate with the game so i've, I've maybe that it's just a learning process maybe i should maybe pokemon quest will be my gateway into mobile gaming so how does Pokemon Quest differ from Pokemon Go? Is it a similar augmented reality thing? I've not seen much about this. Mm, I don't know much about this. No, so Pokemon Quest is a free game that's been released on Switch first, and it formed part of uh, Game Freak's uh, announcement about uh, their new Pokemon game series. So the next like big Pokemon game is going to come out next year in 2019. And before then, there's going to be a game called Pokemon Let's Go, which is a looks like a really nice hybrid between Pokemon Go and the actual Pokemon RPG okay. main series. And sort of bridging that gap is Pokemon Quest, which is a free-to-play, well, free-to-start, as Nintendo call yeah, it. Yeah, they're very, very cautious when they talk about free-to-play. Yeah, well, and I think they have a right to be because... Pokemon Quest is one of the most generous free-to-play games that I've played and I've put about a couple of hours into it and I'm yet to feel pressured into purchases or feel the really need to purchase anything. Mm. How the game works is essentially it's like a isometric top-down wave-based fighting game. So you're exploring this island which is all made out of cubes and all the Pokemon are made are like turned into like cute pastel colored minecraft creatures and the goal of the game is to explore this island and beat up wild pokemon as you do it Uh, and you have a team of three pokemon and you set them to go on an expedition 
and they wander automatically you don't guide them at all through this landscape and when they encounter wild pokemon they automatically start fighting them and then at the bottom of the screen each pokemon that you have in your team has a set of like specials that Mm. you'd call them i guess like in destiny like a one-time move that you press and has a cooldown to it so there's a slight little bit of strategy to it in when you use their special some of them are range attack and some of them they have to be quite close to use and get the most from but you can also set all that to auto if you want so you can set the whole battle to run and the whole expedition to run automatically so you don't have to press or interact with anything and when you win the battle and you and you successfully make it through this expedition you get rewards like food and items which you then take back to your base camp you cook the food which attracts more pokemon to your base camp and then you have more pokemon to add to your team and then you also get these things called power gems which you attach to your pokemon and that makes them stronger and it makes them more powerful and gives them more health now where the mobile stuff comes in is that you have a battery and the battery has limited slots so you can only go on five expeditions until your battery runs out and then you've got to wait 20 minutes until your battery recharges but you can spend pm tokens (laughs) to Mm. fully recharge your battery or you can spend pm pm tokens to speed up your cooking process so you can attract more pokemon quicker into your base camp therefore making you stronger now what i find interesting is that nintendo have deliberately made the microtransaction process really obtuse in a way that makes me think that they very much either intend this to be a very minimal free play experience and by that i mean they expect people to play it for 10 minutes put it in their pocket and for the things just to naturally recharge and uh, move over time because people aren't going to be playing it for five hours straight yeah because you get new PM tickets every 24 hours and as I said your battery charges every 20 minutes so for me I've not really found any requirement to go hang on let me go online and see how much it is to buy like 50 PM tickets so I can go on another expedition because while my battery's recharging I can go and mess around with all the RPG elements moving power cubes around making my Pokemon a little bit stronger and also the weird thing is is that unlike most microtransactional games you can't just like pop down five quid to buy 500 pm tickets you've got to buy a dlc pack right so there's three different dlc packs it's like five pounds ten pounds and fifteen pounds and like to give you an example like the ten pound great expedition pack just means that you can cook more stuff in your base camp you start each day with 30 more PM tickets than you would if you were just at the base level. You can increase the maximum charge of your battery and you just get 100 PM tickets. And that's it. There's no traditional microtransaction structure here, which is really weird. But it makes I, I, my, the clue I get from that is that they've made quite a generous free-to-play game and a really like free-to-start game. Like I don't feel really pressured into any of these transactions and maybe that's why i'm a bit more a bit happier to play it than i am other mobile games yeah it's it's interesting how nintendo on one hand they talk about super mario run and they say it's it's underperformed it's not done as well as we wanted it to and then on the other hand they do this really generous free-to-play stuff whereby you can only spend a certain amount of money in super mario run and then the game goes okay I'm just, we're just going to unlock everything now because yeah, you've yeah. paid you've paid the whatever it is like 15 quid or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. Um and so it's interesting like I, I hope that Nintendo continues down this path of I guess what you might call like responsible free to play to some degree. Yeah. Um where there is a cap but equally I'm sure their investors are, uh, are are kind of hoping that people go absolutely wild with it um in terms of design. I think you're going to get a I think it's out in at the end of this month for um Android and iOS. I right. think you're going to love it. Well, I hope I can run it. Um I am I'm, I'm due an upgrade at some point. Um this thing's this thing's starting to struggle with Twitter. Um <laughs> yeah, the um I I just really glad to hear you talking about a mobile game. Yeah. 
It is, yeah. And a free-to-play one at that. Mm-hmm. And not being massively... I've played it for more than five minutes, which is... Yeah, exactly. It was pretty impressive. So it's got to be doing something right, so I'm going to have to play it now. I got to the end of the show. Oh, all right. And you realised you hadn't bought anything. And I, I was like, hmm, <laughs> wandering out. And it was kind of near the end of the show, and I found... W.H. Smith's outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel Subutio. Awesome. I got to towards the end of the show, and I was sort of thinking, oh, I don't, I don't really, as in the show floor, because we did a tour of it. And I thought, oh, there's not really anything here. <laughs> a um, tour. That, that I wanted to get. Sorry. Yeah, the full tour. You're shown around by a guy with an umbrella. Yeah, and here are some nerds. <laughs> and uh, some more. And I discovered a game. Okay. Here we go. Here, here we, we go. go. Called. Oh, uh, is this mine? No. This is called Burrows and Badgers. And Burrows and Badgers is... Published by our good friends at Osprey. Good friends at Osprey. And the miniatures are by a different company. So the way Osprey seems to work with their miniature games, or they have historically worked, so they also have things like Bolt Action and uh, Piking Shot, I think they do, and Gaslands. Frostgrave. Um, yeah, Frostgrave. So they do all these games, but they don't do the miniatures. No, well, traditionally they- Osprey are a publishing house, so they will right. publish the books... Yes. for the rules and it's only recently they've got into doing the board game side of things as i understand it yes so oathsworn is the miniatures company that makes the models so in 2016 uh, they made a they did a kickstarter to do some essentially woodland creatures in battle armor in like fantasy battle armor animals of farthing wood fight back yeah basically it's sort of sort of watership down <laughs> Mercenaries. This is Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> Please, no, Christopher Robin. No, no. It, 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 well, the strapline is basically a skirmish game of anthropomorphic animals, and the idea is basically, um, I don't know if you've ever, um, if you've ever read uh, stuff like Mouse Guard, uh, or if you've seen any of the Mice and Mystics. Yeah, Mice and Mystics, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of idea. And it's a skirmish game. So a skirmish game is something like a Bushido, where you've got a very small number of models, and you have a comprehensive rule set, and you you put together a very small team, and you take on other very small teams, usually in a in a table space that is quite small. So, like Memoir Forty Four. Like Memoir 44, except for this is a proper miniatures game in so much as you have to you have to get out tapes and rulers oh, and, right, okay, and yeah. stuff like that. So it's very it's free movement, and it is delightful. It is properly like thematic. It's really wonderful. So I've got so minimum team three models. So we put this to the test. Alex and I bought three models each, and to put it into perspective, my so my team is basically a bunch of woodland vagabonds. So what I managed to pick up was a massive wildcat with a little axe who looks like a f- sort of like a sort of chunky fagin. So he's he's sort of he's got it across his little shoulders and he's like, "Right, I'm going to how am I going to murk you up?" He's he, I, I whenever I play with him, I think he's a bit of a cockney. I've got a pirate. Okay. Uh, so he's a rat and he's a pirate. Um and I got a little vagabond mouse who's got a little bag for his swag, and he can run around the battlefield as well. And Alex has got some other really cool stuff um, stuff too, including this fox who has got a sniper rifle. Um, so so very cool stuff. Looks really, really neat. Very small teams. And then the next day, so fast forward a little bit, the next day, uh, myself, Greg, and Alex sat down and actually played um, uh, Boris and Badgers. And how, mu- how, much have you, how much have you spent? so far so three so say three models so say six models the six models book for a two-player game how much do you think 40 50 quid yeah perfect 45 quid okay so so that is low entry for a miniatures game like very low the only additional thing you need is a tape measure and some uh various sided dice so stuff like d4 d6 d8 d10 all the way up to d20 um but i mean if you've played an rpg before you own them that's fine um, or just like count on your hands or something or just count on your hands yeah if you want so or get an app whatever you want to do uh so uh do what you want so i've been playing it and it is it, it was the i think it was one of the darlings of the show because when we got there i was sort of looking around it and i picked up those bits and pieces and within i would say a few hours like sort of when we were starting to leave they had sold out of a bunch of their stuff they wow. were really really surprised that they had done so well 
Is this um, new then? Is it? The... It came out in April. Okay. Um, right. So it is super new. And um, uh, this this edition of the the rules, it's like it's in a hardbound book. It's got everything that you need in it. There's no additional campaigns. There's no additional like, oh well, you need to go and get this additional book so that you can field the army that you want. It's like no, if you want to create this kind of character, okay, so it's a wildcat and there's an axe and you know that a wildcat costs this this amount of points and an axe costs this amount of points and it comes with these skills and you sit down and you just you just work out how it's actually put together how your warband is actually comprised oh so i couldn't so i couldn't just buy because i'm thinking now of the ceramic yeah. models my mum used to have on our mantelpiece which are yeah. like various woodland creatures in sure. scary poses all, like all, all sylvanian families sylvanian families yeah so i couldn't well, just like <laughs> strap up Make a little spear out of foil and stick well, it on a Sylvanian family sl- and put that on the table. Slightly, slightly wrong scale, uh, but the concept of what you're talking about. Scale, it's all about the scale, isn't it's it? It's all about scale. All I about mean, scale. if they're all Sylvanian families, then what does it matter about scale? I mean, fair enough. You know what? If you want to do that, you do <laughs> Just that. Just a giant wooden duck. Yeah. <laughs> funky in the middle. Um, but the cool thing, the one, the, one of the really cool things and, and, um, is basically... There's a there's an explicit line in the book where it says you do not have to represent the items that the character is using on the model itself. So if you've got a model that's holding a sword and you want it to be holding a rifle instead, you can just let your opponent know. Whereas in a lot of these skirmish games, they're like buy another model and represent it on the board, otherwise you don't get to use it. See, which I, is, I couldn't do that. No, I'd have to have. No. He's holding a sword. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, this acorn may look like an acorn, but it's actually a nuclear bomb. <laughs> You're screwed, mate. <laughs> oh, didn't I mention that? Yeah. This pea shooter here, he's got. They've got. They've got nuclear weaponry. I don't know what. I don't know what you're doing with your with your sling. Um, but uh, but the. But it's very flexible in the way that you put these things together. It's got everything in there, and the game itself runs really quick. Once you, know, it's it's a skirmish game, so it's going to take you a little while to actually understand the rules. But it's all based around, um, it's based around being plucky. So like a really low end warband could defeat a high end warband if they get a little bit of luck. But you can always mitigate all of that stuff with good tactics and using the scenery well. There's a lot of vertical movement because most animals can climb, some of them can fly. Um, there's a, there's a really good mix of ranged versus close combat. There's magic in it. It feels really fast to play. And once you get into turn three or four, after you've, uh, when you're starting to learn it, you it really licks along real fast. And turn times are, are really pretty quick. So you can get through a game in, I would say, you know, a couple of hours if you know what you're doing. For me, that was absolutely the star of the show. And I'm 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 in love with it. And I'm gonna start painting these models up. And I'm I'm gonna be good. But I'm yeah, I want to play a lot more of it, and I'm going to bring it up and show it to you. Yeah, when... out of out of all the miniatures games that you've obsessed and professed about, yep, over the last year or so, this is the one that I am most interested in because it's a yep. theme that I can get on board with. It seems like it's very simple. There's a very very low entry fee. I guess it scales up, for want of a better turn of phrase, if you've got more miniatures per. You can only go to a maximum of nine, I think. Oh wow! So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So out. I mean, I'd be if I had money, which I don't, because I'm saving for a wedding. Like <laughs> this would, like this would be a very tempting uh, proposition. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it okay. up, and I'm going to show it to you. But I didn't buy it for you, Sam, because I thought Good. because I thought no, this isn't the game to get him into. I went to the comic book shop today and I Good. bought Justice League One. I've not read it yet, but I'm excited to kickstart Scott Snyder's new arc because I've become a little bit disillusioned of comics at the moment. Mm. I've not really been keeping an eye out for anything in particular. I've kind of gone out of gone off mm-hmm. comics, I'd say. So hopefully this will bring me back yeah. to the medium. I've got to say I'm really not feeling much in terms of comics. I mean, I've got like I've only got a few left, but I've not bought anything in ages. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to buck the trend here, but I'm going to definitely say that I've had like a few a few months ago, I had a good four or five comics that I was pulling from in my pull list, and since Metal ended, I've just made the conscious decision of not really picking up anything else or filling that hole that it's left. Mm. So I've kind of let all and co- this has coincided with a couple of 
comics that I've been collected just naturally ending, like Kill or Be Killed, which has been a fantastic series by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Um, that's that's coming to an end soon. Doom Patrol has also gone into hiatus. Uh, Metal just ended, and what else is, is is coming to an end? How did how did you feel about the ending of Metal? It was all right. I mean, it, oh, worth it then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to go back and reread it. I okay. I I think that I gave it a bit of a short shrift and Grant Morrison came on board for the penultimate episode and it just really alienated me. And where is it started off? And I said this before about Scott Snyder, like he's really great at the personal stories, like his stuff about Batman coming from a dark multiverse and how the the character of Batman reacts to that really interesting. But the moment it gets into the Grant Morrison-esque taking a spaceship and traveling in between the lines of a of the multiverse i'm just like whatever please just whatever mate oh i, I care about the characters mm. and not necessarily the the world that they're in so I, i've let all those drop like white knight finished i know uh doomsday clock is currently nearly halfway through its 12 issue run and i'm really happy with how that's going that that's genuinely a comic book experience jeff john's and uh, Gary Frank's Doomsday Clock, superb piece of work. And if people haven't started picking that up, then it's well worth the time. But it does the problem with that though is it kind of you need to know a little bit about what's been going on over the last seven years in the DC universe. So and also have read Watchmen. Yes, definitely, and read Watchmen. Um, but out of all of this, has been one shining example. And as Smee said in the hit film Hook, I've had an apostrophe about again about how good comic books can be because so i was in my comic book shop i'm at this kind of lull of ugh, like i don't there's nothing like my my pull list is diminishing there's nothing really in it so i'll go and have a look at what's been out recently and i saw this one comic on the on the shelf and it's really interesting because there's the first issue and the second issue was there and that's really strange and it's by brian k vaughan uh, marcus martin or marcus martin and uh Munza Vincente Vincente yep. I don't know you're doing well I'm doing really well I definitely got the first bit right Brian <laughs> K Vaughan but Brian Marcos and Munza yeah and it's called Barrier okay and it's produced by Image and the thing that struck me straight away is the fact it's all drawn in landscape so I'll show you I'll show you see how it's all like landscape. oh that's nice so, so it's a lot of like widescreen vision, quite cinematic. So basically, it's it's a widescreen comic. And the second thing that interested me into getting this is that it's a bilingual comic. So half it's in Spanish, half it's in English. Okay. And I think that the 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 theme of barrier is also one that, especially in America, is a really interesting idea at the moment. It's um, and, and that's the thing I love about comics when they pick up on an idea, a, a, a current state of feeling within society, and they, and they expand on that. Mm. But what's interesting here is that this was a comic that was actually released several years ago on panelsyndicate.com, and which... Um, so this was an idea that was first conceived in 2015, and panelsyndicate.com is a comic website where you can basically pay what you want for a comic. Okay. So essentially, if you wanted to, you could read all five editions of this for free. But, and again, this is the apostrophe I've had about comics and why they're so great, is not only, is it, not only has it been revived by image to capture that zeitgeist of, you know, a current state of a country yeah. in its place, but also this is the first time it's been in paper it's it'll be the only time it's been in paper there was not going to be a trade paperback of this they released these five editions and that's it like i missed an edition and i've had to really go out of my way to pick up that edition that i've missed because it's been sold out everywhere so i love that collectability of it that you know that fact that i've had to go and hunt something down and again the the actual material in it the fact i don't understand half of it and in the back of the book brian k vaughan says if you can, don't Google Translate what you can't understand okay. because re- because that's what the art's there for. And the whole point of this book is it's not really about like 
physical barriers it's about language and it's about language barriers and being in a, a situation where you can't understand what a character or what someone else is saying to you and how that impacts this visual medium there's a whole the third third edition of the five is completely silent so it relies on the artwork to uh, translate that message and to me that's the wonderful thing about comic books like barrier does everything that i want to get from a comic book you know it's collectible it captures a mood of a time and a space and it fully embraces the medium that it's using to create a piece of art that sends a message out to its readers and that's what that's what i love about it and i'm rereading watchmen at the moment and again that's a comic that you know i mean alan moore isn't sometimes he can be quite <laughs> yeah i I, th- I think anybody who knows who alan moore is knows exactly what you're trying to say but at the same time what mm. him and dave gibbons did with watchmen was was all oh, of those things phenomenal like, yeah made a, a collectible series like really played on what comic books can do as an art form and yep. captured a sense and a mood in a in a, in a series that rereading it in today's climate is really really interesting i forgot to mention rather deliberately for dramatic effect <laughs> that earlier yeah. in the in uh, in area one there was a bring and buy sale awesome so so uh, it was a closed-off space, and people would bring their old board games, the things that they didn't want anymore, their old, yeah. you know, war game, uh, war games and stuff like that. And f- charity would get ten percent, and the um, the person who was selling it would get the rest of the money. And there was some amazing stuff. There was a load of BattleTech stuff, which, by the way, that's going to be my obsession in a couple of months. Uh, uh, there was a load of old BattleTech stuff. Uh, there was um, it was really cool to see very old games like some really weird old star trek games that i've never heard of amazing but then then sam did you buy me a second hand game i bought you a second hand game oh i gave you 11 pounds come on i know i know uh well so the game you nearly got yeah w- was a brand new game and it was a miniature war game called tanks and i thought this is gonna be dry as hell um <laughs> uh that's um, what you could have won yeah uh, okay believe me you what you came off well with this but not instead- only but instead, I purchased for you Mayfair Games and DC Comics. Go on. Batman, the role-playing game. Oh, wow. So this is a game in which you role-play as Batman. Because <laughs> you're always telling me, Sam, that you're Batman. Well, I am. Right. So. But Dan's always telling me that he's Batman. He's Batman, yeah. It's a bit confusing, that. It is somewhat confusing. So I think what better way of finding out who is best at being Batman than role-playing it and finding out ourselves. So are we all Batman? (laughs) So this is the thing. So one person gets to be the Batman. And and I was... The only reason I purchased this is... Well, many reasons I purchased it. But one of the reasons I purchased it is because they refer to the Batman as the Batman. Yeah. Well, that's... Correctly. Um, You do also get to... There's also a single-player solo campaign. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is <gasps> just sat just dressed up as Batman which is which is <laughs> sitting on my own rolling <laughs> dice so and it's it's the Sam are you okay in there <laughs> been in there a while I'm fine Chris <laughs> it was published in 1989 oh my god that's so that is the year of Tim Burton's Batman yeah it's it's around there and it's it's just after Frank Miller did his work. So it's kind of it's kind of this weird blur of uh, like late 70s uh 80s like campy art and slightly dark stuff. Um and the heroes, the game actually suggests that you don't have to play as Batman. You can create your own characters or you can play as villains you can also use villains in the thing and also there are other supporting characters that you might want to play as so for example i mean who would you want to play as from the hero's side sam i mean obviously robin (laughs) i think no hang on hang on pete pete i know the answer to this i reckon sam would sam would want to have a crack at playing alfred oh i'd yeah i'd love to be alfred he's my i think hands down he generally is now my favorite batman character 
Alfred Pennyworth is available to play us if you if you wish to play. <laughs> but how is that going to factor into a role-playing game? Like, everyone else pisses off to go and do missions and I'm just sat there yeah. rolling to see yeah. if I've cut uh, the meat well. <laughs> Can you imagine playing as Alfred in a solo campaign? Yeah. <laughs> everyone, like, everyone, like, grapple hooks up onto the top of the roof. And, and I'm taking the like, service lift in the back. Yeah. <laughs> So you could play as Alfred and Vicky Vale and all that sort of stuff, but you could also play as uh, as your as some of your favourite Batman heroes, <laughs> such as Ragman. Uh, you can play as the question. We all know the question. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis. Do you remember Nemesis? Yep. So all of those things, and also Pride of Place in the Villains and Thugs. Who, who might you go up against or who might you play as? Well, uh, Calendar Man is number one. Yeah. Uh, he's in Julian there. Number two? Is it Ribena and Milk? <laughs> Catman. Catman! Because Catwoman's not enough. There are. What does there, Catman do? Catman, oh, he's basically, I'll be honest, he looks like Batman. Um, yeah, but what does also, Catman do? Catman do. <laughs> it's uh, uh yeah uh, catman is um uh thomas blake a big game hunter who went to gotham city to hunt what he considers the greatest quarry of them all the batman oh, it's like craven isn't it um, in the marvel universe you can play as clayface 2 and clayface 3 but not clayface 1 <laughs> uh so yeah so, so that so this there's is a brilliant there's a so, bunch of there's a bunch of stuff in here, and interestingly, you can play you you can go up against Man Bat, who doesn't have a description of who who he is, but also if you're playing as Man Bat, you also have to play as Kirk Langstrom. Oh, awesome! I like that. Yeah. So 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 it looks interesting. Um, I don't know if it's any good, but um, I put I purchased this and I thought how fun that would be to find out uh, to to play a Batman role playing game. So I'll bring that up with me. Yeah, because we're we're hopefully well, we are going to definitely be, be meeting up in August. Yes, I believe so. So that'd be so that'd be a good time to play our Batman role playing game. Yeah, sure. I can send it up beforehand. You can have a flick through the rules, play the solo campaign, maybe in a darkened room. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I'd love that if you can send it up. If it's not too yeah, much, yeah, sure. But how Absolutely. much was it? It was a mighty seven pounds. Okay, so the rest of the eleven will pay for postage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was Staying In with Sam Turner, Peter Willington and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure please to subscribe to us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Acast, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. So what better way to make sure you don't miss another episode? If you'd like to leave us a review too, we'd be really chuffed with that. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things, and we've covered quite a lot in this episode. And come find us on Facebook or on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.